welcome back to the Unregulated Podcast. It is Thursday, October 22nd. This is episode number eight here at AEA headquarters. I'm your co-host, Tom Pyle. And I'm your flight attendant, Mike McKenna. Who is uh, dialing this one in from an undisclosed location. It's North Carolina is the location. Let me just disclose that right now. <laughs> All right. Um, as our listeners know, uh, we usually start out with uh, our thoughts about the election. Um, and also, by the way, I thought about this. I don't think one a week is going to get it done the way these news cycles move. Um, I mean, as <laughs> last time I said, did anything happen this week while we were gone? And it's just like, I feel like that's going to happen every week for a while. So we might want to think about dazzling and our, our our listeners with maybe even an extra episode here and there, but we'll figure that out on, on the road. Let's get to the election. Last week, as as you all know, we sort of give our predictions on a week weekly basis. And last week, I moved my percentage up to 50-50. And Mike, I think you're pegged right now at what, 35? Is that what, what your last pronouncement was? I, I specifically skipped this uh, this this thing last week because I wasn't comfortable with like where I am. But I understand from a, a very um, thoughtfully written uh, memo of yours that you have some observations that uh, might change your change your numbers a little bit. Do you want to walk through those for our now yeah, 80, I mean, 80, 80, 81 listeners? Our several score listeners at this point. Yeah, I mean it it. So I went back and I went through the numbers because a friend of mine barked at me about how I was too negative. So I went back and looked through the numbers with a lens on it of how, what's the most positive interpretation on the numbers. There's a, and there's, there's, there's two numbers that are really just, well, there's two sets of numbers that just stick out, right? One is Gallup did a survey across the middle and end of September. And in it, they asked two questions. Are you better off now than you were four years ago? And 56% said, yeah, I am better off now. That Keep in mind, it embeds everything that was going on in September. Yeah, right? and we played that clip for our listeners. The, Joe Biden was posed that very question, and his answer was, well, yeah. well, well they shouldn't. Right. And then, the, But the thing is, also inside that survey was a question of, who do you think is going to win? And that same 56% said, um, President Trump. Now, anybody who's doing polling for any number of any amount of time knows that that answer to that question has really powerful impact and import and effect on um, on turnout and other b voter behavior, right? Uh, willing to give money, put up your yard signs, all that other stuff. It's it's the the disparity, right? It was fifty six forty, right? Was only forty percent thought Biden was going to win. That's big. Second thing is you look at the battlegrounds um, in Pennsylvania, especially in Pennsylvania and Florida. President's chopped Biden's lead in half over what it was 90 days ago. It's just, you know, when you look at the trend lines in this campaign, for the last 10 days, they've been bad for Biden. And I, I'm, I'm kind of, I know some of it's everyone's coming home, but I kind of wonder what his bottom might be. And he's not running a campaign and it's too late to start now. Sure. So anyway, long story short is I think here's, here's what we're looking at. I think our chances of having President Biden with a Democratic Senate is probably about 35%. And I think having President Biden with a Republican Senate is probably about 40%. And I think us having President Trump with a Republican Senate is probably about 25%. Gotcha. What about President Trump with a Democratic Senate? Is that possible? Zero. 
I mean, zero. yeah, it's possible, but 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 the the you know, you'd have to play the game ten thousand times before that happened, three or four times, right? So uh, as I said last last time we got together, um, I think that the there are the the media is clearly focusing on the polling, and we you even admit that the polling is going to be wrong. The question is how wrong. Yeah. Um, but there are other factors that go into a, a successful election night, and that is registration. And the yeah. de- Republicans have done a good job on registration. They're not there yet. They have closed the gap in Florida, for example, and that's not being discussed in the media. And I go back again to my anecdotal evidence being, you know, fairly, you know, traveled this summer, socially distanced, of course. And the enthusiasm for Trump is high. Enthusiasm for Biden is not. And and that's a, a big factor as well in a successful night. Um, you you were right that when you run a campaign about nothing and your whole motivation is vote for me because I'm not the other guy, you're not inspiring anybody. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, rule of thumb among campaign operatives ever since I, you know, since I became one, like I was 10 years old is campaigns about something beat campaigns about nothing every time. Yeah. Every time. I mean, I, I can literally not remember a campaign about nothing that won over a campaign that was about something. And this is a campaign about something. And let's put it this way. I'm confident. I think Mr. Biden's going to win, but I'm much less sure of that than I was 72 hours ago when I started looking at numbers and start thinking hard about it. Yeah. Well, that's um, definitely a, that's some breaking news here in the unregulated podcast for your level of confidence up till now. So I want to play this clip for you. I don't know uh, how familiar you are with Scott Adams, Dilbert Dilbert guy. guy. You know, he predicted Trump's victory Um, early on. He was kind of like, you know, talking about Trump, sort of analyzing him, deconstructing Trump's, you know, style and whatnot. So he's made quite a name for himself as sort of a, you know, uh, f- f- being fond of human uh, behavior. He's got this Twitter d- deal where he uh, speaks every morning. And uh, he had this to say about the polling, and I wanted your feedback on it. Let's listen. And Democrats have gaslighted themselves, which I've never seen before. <laughs> they've gaslighted themselves. And the way they've done that is they've, they've uh, frightened Trump supporters into silence. So they're, they've been so bad to Trump supporters that Trump supporters go into hiding, including, I think, when pollsters call. The Democrats have scared Trump supporters into hiding. But then here's the funny part. They've scared Trump supporters into hiding, but they still believe the polls. <laughs> you see where I'm going with this? I don't think that could be funnier. It would be one thing to scare Trump supporters into hiding and then not believe the polls because you caused the poll, your own actions caused the polls not to be reliable. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't believe it. And I'll tell you why. And, and as soon as I say this, you're going to understand why I think this, right? It, as best I can tell, there's never been a Trump supporter born in this country who could shut up. So, <laughs> you know, the idea that they're all of a sudden bashful, I mean, half of these guys walk around with great big giant flags and like a great big giant F you attitude. So, you know, I don't think they're afraid of pollsters. I could see that they are hanging up on them. They're avoiding them. They're lying to them. But being afraid of them is not something I could see. 
unless you uh, I, I'll actually take your your perspective there. I think that they're doing. I think they're sort of not con, not consciously, but I think they're that's their way of sticking it to the man. Yeah, I think right? there's something to that. But I think if the polls are going to be wrong here, it's not because of that. It's going to be because. It's because it's going to be because pollsters have, have sampled the wrong groups, right? They've oversampled Democrats and undersampled Republicans. And is that possible? Yeah, it's possible. It's especially possible in states, right? The, the quality of the state polling is not great. It's better than it was in 2016, but it's still not great, right? It, it's not giving anybody the granularity they need, really. Well, we shall see. I mean, it's clear that uh, we have a debate this evening, the the last debate, which um, uh, apparently climate change is one of the questions, but foreign policy didn't quite make the make the cut, which doesn't surprise me, but it, it also doesn't um, bode well for the debate commission, I think, going forward. I go back to what you said a couple weeks, a couple episodes back about how why do these candidates subject themselves to this to this this debate commission? Why can't they just negotiate the terms of a debate and do it themselves. Yeah, it, it, this is crazy talk. Why anybody would hand over the keys of any part of their life to Frank Ferencoff? I mean, <laughs> but, you know, how 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 deep in trouble would you have to be? The only time I would ever ask Frank Ferencoff for help is if I was drowning and he was the only guy with a life jacket or a rope, right? I'm so sticking I, it I'm sticking at 50-50. You've gone you're now at Trump reelect not Factor out the Senate, just Trump reelect. What's your peg? It's about twenty five percent. I mean, but but the difference is, is I you know I can see it. I can see a pathway. I can see a pathway to where if 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 the next ten days go right, I can see a pathway where he could win. Got it. Yeah, you know, it's not just a random. Hey, it's going to have to be a one off. It's like I could see a trend line now, and that that's probably not a good trend line for the vice president. All right. So uh, to this morning, Senator Graham gaveled an executive session to determine uh, whether or not uh, they will advance Amy Coney Barrett's nomination to the Senate floor. It was approved 12-0. Um, we, the debates were, or the debates, I should say, the hearings wrapped up about a week ago. I had a couple of uh, thoughts about the hearings. Um, I know it's sort of old news now at this point, but I wanted to to play one clip that uh, sort of epitomizes ACB and and the tenor and the tone of the hearings. Barrett and to your family as well. I hope you got some rest uh, <laughs> last night. I think that's true of all of us. So I did have a glass of wine. I'll tell you that I needed that at the end of the day. Well, so ACB had a glass of wine. No doubt it was probably a fairly nice bottle of wine. I want to harken back to the previous hearing and stay on this theme for a second. Dr. Ford has described you as being intoxicated at a party. Did you consume alcohol during your high school years? Yes, we drank beer, uh, <laughs> my friends and I, uh, boys and girls. Yes, we drank beer, like beer, still like beer. We drank beer. The drinking age, as I noted, was 18, so the seniors were legal. Senior year in high school, people were legal to drink. And we, yeah, we drank beer. And I said, sometimes, sometimes probably had too many beers and sometimes other people had too many beers. What we drank you... beer. We liked beer. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of two clips that epitomize both of those hearings more than that right there. I mean, that is just perfect. Yeah. 
You know, you said this before, the, the left energized the right on, on Kavanaugh, and they did, because Kavanaugh sure as heck was never one of us. And, you know, he's just, you know, I mean, he's a good guy, but he's a bit of a bumbler, right? And Barrett, um, who's not really has much political experience at all, right? But you could tell she has a lot of experience with people. Oh, right? absolutely. And you know, she was calm. She right. was cool. Got, she was she collected. She's got seven kids. She's got seven kids. She's been a teacher in a classroom for years. You could just tell she she knew how to deal with all kinds of different personality types, and she never broke character, right? And you know, we're she's probably be, we're probably wasting her. We probably should run her for president. We probably shouldn't waste her in the Supreme Court, right? It, it, but there it is. Um, you you do what you do. The Kavanaugh thing is just too funny for words. And you know, the funny <laughs> thing is, what the Senate what senators don't seem to get is. This stuff makes them look small. Oh, absolutely. It makes them look, it, it robs them of their actual only value in life, which is they look big. Yeah, I you mean, know? some of the questions they asked her were just outrageous. And she handled it like a champ. I mean, she just kind of plowed through them all. I mean, poor Senator Feinstein's getting pounded by her, uh, by the left flank of the party because she wasn't, quote, tough enough. Good for her. Like you were saying a couple episodes ago, she's one of the last old guard members of the Senate left, right? Where they, this was sort of their, their swan song, you know, this, this body, this club. And she hearkened back to that a little bit in her clothes. And, and she was very, she gave Senator Graham a, a lot of credit for running a very professional yeah. hearing. And like, in a way she was sort of like chastising her children, you know, uh, to the right of her. The, the, the funny thing is, or to the left that, of her, I should say. Yeah, you know, the funny thing about about Feinstein is, is she she's a walking example of a rule that I have, right? And that is, mayors are better at this stuff than anybody else. Sure. And she's a, she's a former mayor, right? You go down the former mayors or governors in the Senate; they're just better at this stuff. Yep. They're, just, they're not angry. They're not thinking, I hate that guy. Because if you're a mayor, you're like, yeah, I really can't afford to hate that guy because I might need his vote on a city council. Yeah. You know what? I don't hate the chief of police. I wish him well. I hope he does a good job, even if he disagrees with me. And, you know, the, the, um, the people who have been attorneys general, like Senator Harris, and Senator Whitehouse, they're, they're, you know, the people who've been nothing but lawyers, they're the really angry people. Yep, which absolutely. Is, which is, yeah. The AG stepping stone thing is not is not the best path. I agree. It's with not you it's not healthy. It's not healthy. Well, ACB is scheduled for a vote early next week. As I understand it, uh, McConnell's even moving the date up. If all assuming all goes well, we will have a new Supreme Court justice probably before we get together next. I hope so. All right. Uh, to close out the hearings, I actually I heard this from Senator Graham. Uh, this wasn't this morning. This was uh, at the close of the actual hearings. And I want to play this for you because I think it epitomizes. Uh, I, I actually I won't even comment. I'll just play it. Hold on. And with Amy Barrett, the best is yet to come. So in another time, in another place, you would get everybody's vote. It's not about you. It's about us. Yeah, well, I mean, here's my comment. First off, like senators everywhere, he talks to, you know, he talks to her like she's a four-year-old who hasn't, like, she's this a 50-year-old woman who's lived in this country her entire life, right? She knows, she knows these people are defective human beings. 
I mean, she's being polite to them. She knows that they're not right in the head. But, you know, it, the second thing that I thought was interesting is like, like she cares. Yeah, I mean, but she, this she is more that, a comment about Graham and recognizing how woefully broken Congress is and the Senate yeah. in particular. I mean, but it's a little like saying, you know, sun's coming up in the east tomorrow. Get ready for it, right? I'm like, dude, yeah. Anybody with half a brain who reads a newspaper knows that these guys can't get out of their own way. So the idea that the idea that a grown person would care that they're only going to get 53 or 55 or 52 votes, I'm sure she was sitting there thinking, boss, I don't care. Just yeah, I understand. I, I appreciate your perspective. I, I thought it was a... A, a good summary of the state of affairs in the United States Congress. That that was what uh, what yeah. struck me about the quote. Yeah, I, you know, Lin Lindsey Graham's an expert at diagnosing the problem. <laughs> we need somebody who's actually good at fixing yeah. it. Yeah, I listen. You know, I go back and forth on Lindsey. We ran ads against him back in the early days of the American Energy Alliance. So, hey, I wanted to. Uh, I didn't actually spring this on you yet, but I also found this clip. This was a a uh, interview between Wolf and Pelosi, and it got a little heated. It was about yes. the negotiations of COVID. I don't know if you caught any of that. Oh, I saw this. I I, I saw this interview. I saw this interview. So yeah. I, I, this is the part I I pulled out because I want you to tell me why what got my got me um, sparked my interest in this one. Hold on. Important right now. Yesterday, I spoke to Andrew Yang, who says the same thing. It's not everything you yeah, want, but you know but what? There's you, a lot okay. there. Honest to God, you really, uh, can, I can't get over it because Andrew Yang, he's lovely. Ro Khanna, he's lovely. They are not negotiating this situation. They have no idea of the particulars. They have no idea of what the language is here. I didn't come over here to have, so you're the apologist for the Obama, excuse me, God forbid. Madam Speaker, I'm, God I'm not Barack an apologist. Obama. I'm asking you serious questions because so many people I'm are in desperate you need if we, right now. Let me yeah. ask you this. Okay. When was the last time? Let me, let me respond to you. All right, I'm not going to continue it because I can barely hand, stand her. Because it was too epic. The whole thing was epic. Okay, what? Why did I pull that clip out? Tell me why. Because you are a huge Andrew Yang fan, and you want to get his his name in the podcast. No, because you like because you like saying Andrew Yang. It sounds like a porn star, Andrew do you, Yang. Do you know? Uh, did you hear her dismiss both Andrew Yang and uh, the other? Rokana. Yeah, look, they're they're lovely. They're lovely. They're lovely men, but they're not. They're not involved in the negotiations. Yes. Yeah. That's that's the problem. Exactly. Wow. It's like they are elected members of Congress. Well, they are not involved in the negotiation. They don't know the details. They're lovely people, but I run this town and Mitch runs this town and Mnuchin runs this town, and everyone else can go pound sand. Go home, because now you can vote electronically as well, so we don't even need you to be hanging around in town. There was, there was a lot of that. There was a lot of that. But my, you know, my favorite is when she, you know, the real import of that conversation was that it's the first time, you can tell it's the first time in probably several years where she's gotten a, a little chippy, she got a little chippy response from a member of the press and she had no idea what to do with it. Oh, she got hang. She got hung on that uh, more recently as well. Someone else took her on, and she also called that reporter. And I, I'll, 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 I'll find it and put it in the notes. She also called that reporter an apologist for the Trump administration. So, 
But you're right. I mean, that's an important point, too, is these aren't interviews for these politicians anymore. They're like platforms for them to plug their stuff unless you're well, a Republican it's, 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 or unless you're the orange man. She figured she was going on CNN and they were going to say, tell us again how you're great and the Republicans are bad. And, you know, she she made a mistake of stumbling into one of the few reporters left at CNN. Right. Wolf Blitzer, who was like, hey, let me just ask one real quick question before we get on to your hey geography. Right. So it, it I, I loved it. I loved, And, you know, the thing about Wolf is he's just like, yeah, OK, you keep 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 bleating. I'm going to keep asking the question. I mean, he, he was unflappable. He's just like, yeah, all right, you're yapping. I'm asking. Keep going. Yeah, and she also claimed that she knows she knows what what her people are. Uh, she knows the struggle. That she, was that was towards the end. She went on a jag about how she is closely attuned to the struggles of the American people. She is, man. She she'd been rich for 30, 40, 50 years. Grew up a daughter of a crime family in Baltimore. That that doesn't qualify you to be, you know, tuned into the struggles of an American family. I don't know what would. What, what, what do you want from her, Tom? She's she's got it down to just two great big giant wolf sub zero refrigerators in her place. I mean, how much more does this person have to sacrifice? I got a feeling that it's going to be a brutal leadership race next year to replace her. Yeah, she's she's not going anywhere. She claimed she was only going one that one round here. Well, no, I've been told by Democrats now that that she actually said four years. Yeah, so they're still that, they're, it's still going to be that, fun to watch for that, sure. That 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 little editing, that little bit of editing, has started to seep into the into the world. All right, energy, our good esteemed senator from the great state of Alaska, Andrew Yang, who represents a pretty significant chunk of the energy production in this country. She in favor particularly of from oil and natural gas. Is she in favor of Pebble Mine? No, she's not in favor of Pebble Mine. Uh, she's very much opposed to that important project. She said, and I think it was a forum with Sheldon Whitehouse, that she'd be open to a carbon tax next year. Yes. It should be on the table is I think the exact phrase she gave. Yeah. I think we'll be sending her a yellow vest. You know, the thing is, she might be Senator number 51 for the Republicans, so that could be bad. Yeah. Um, you know, on the other hand, it would be fun to watch all the Democrats walk the plank on this thing. You know, I, I, I'm getting a bunch of my Democratic friends are like, nah, we're not going to have a carbon tax. I'm like, it's in the unity platform. Nah, we're not going to have carbon pricing. I'm like, it's in the select committee on the end of the world. Dude. That's the Green New Deal. At some point, they're going to force you to like vote for carbon, a carbon price tax, whatever you want to call it. No, that'd be a disaster. I'm like, I'm not arguing. I'm just telling you. Andrew Yang's in favor of a carbon tax, for God's sake. But he doesn't know what he's doing. He's not aware Ro of these. Rokana. Rokana is in favor of a carbon tax. Well, I do think that uh, it is unfortunate for the great, great, great citizens of the state of Alaska uh, to have someone so completely underrepresenting their interest in, in the United States Senate. All, all kidding aside, and I don't, you know, I don't, there's nothing, there's nothing funny about somebody who's in favor of making energy more expensive, and at the same time transferring significant advantages to the Chinese by um, refusing to allow critical minerals to be developed in the United States. Um, but it clarifies a point that I made earlier, right? I don't, I doubt very seriously that Senate, that the Senator in question is going to run for office again in 2022. 
I can't, I can't imagine you can, you can get on the wrong side of an energy tax and go back home and run. I just don't. Yeah. I mean, she also did this in 2009 too. So it could potentially be just her not handling a question and answer session quite as well as ACB in a, in a crowd. Right. So how complicated, how how complicated is it to say, I don't think a recession is a good time to raise taxes. I mean, Obama managed to say it. It seems pretty easy to me, but I don't know. I bet you Ro Khanna could say it. Let's get Ro on the show. So staying on the energy energy beat for a little bit, uh, Donald Trump was in Erie, Pennsylvania earlier in the week, and he unveiled um, his his first campaign trail Hollywood production. I'm going to roll this for us, and we can chat. Tonight I want to uh, do something. I want to give you, this is an original Donald Trump Broadway play. And I had it done specifically, first time I've ever pulled it out. I had it done specifically for the people of Erie because you guys like energy. You like being energy independent. Do you like that? Energy, because that's uh, We don't need all these faraway lands and everything else. We are now energy independent and we're going to keep it that way. Take a look at this clip. We had it made up and I think you're like, first time I've ever done this, right? First time. Go ahead, wherever it is, put it up. Would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking, in a Biden administration? No, we would would, would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated and no more subsidies for either one of those. I guarantee you we're going to end fossil fuel. No more, no new fracking. I gradually move away from fracking. And I think it's critically important on day one that we end any fossil fuel leases on public lands. Well, like what I would say, stopping fracking and stopping pipeline infrastructure. They want to do the same thing I want to do. They want to phase out fossil fuels and we're going to phase out fossil fuels. There's no question I'm in favor of banning frack. Yes. The walk walk back frack. Actually, uh, the Democrats are actually a little bit nervous about this. No, they should be. I mean, in Pennsylvania, fracking's made everybody, not just the people in the game, it's made everybody better off. It's made everybody wealthier from family farms that are not failing anymore to, you know, shopkeepers to just people who aren't paying as much in the way of taxes that it would be no, other ones. I mean, it, it's it, completely transformed the entire, the entire state. Right. And, 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 you know, if you're, if you're a, if you're a environmentalist, you're looking at Pennsylvania and you're thinking, we got to kill this thing right now because the next state up is going to be Ohio and then West Virginia. And eventually the Southern tier of New York, you, know, you, you have a possibility at Michigan, you have a serious possibility. This is going to be an enormous problem for you, a generational problem if you don't strangle this infant in its crib and that's what they're trying to do. And, you know, the Pennsylvanians are, are, you know, Pennsylvania's two States, right. It's Philly and it's, and it's America. Um, not clear how it's going to turn out. Well, uh, also the, uh, boilermakers, uh, in quote unquote endorsement of Biden, what turned out to be bogus. I don't know okay. if you caught that. I did. It turned out to be a lie. It wasn't bogus. It was a lie. Yeah, never been flat out. Yeah. You know, it, it, all those guys who run around, ah, you know, Joe Biden's a good guy. He's a decent guy. You know, come on. He's been in politics for 50 years. He is what he is. 47. Come on. Give him a break. Come on, man. Give my, him guess a break. Is he was, my guess is he was running for that Senate seat in, in Delaware before then. So this, I mean, the, the Boilermaker thing, I, it's worth talking about for a minute because I've been saying this to reporters till I'm blue in the face. They have to tolerate 
listening to it so they can get their Darth Vader quote from me for whatever story that they're working on. But it is this. The Democratic Party used to be run by the unions. They were the money and the muscle of the Democratic Party. That has, it is no longer the case. The Greens, the left, the progressives, if you will, the, the Green New Dealers, the Sunrisers, the NRDCs, the LCVs, they are the money and the muscle for this Democratic Party, at least at this time, which is why you get all of these comments about fracking, which is why these guys are, are trying to out, out fossil fuel, I hate fossil fuel each other uh, when you, during the primaries, which is why these senators who want to be presidents all sit on the Environment and Public Works Committee so that they can kowtow to those interests. And that is what's driving today's Democratic Party is the organization and the money is is now being moved or sort of routed through these green groups. Yeah. The party used to be a, a union operation. Now it's not. And and that's well, I mean, they we're not quite the transfer hasn't occurred completely yet. It's sure it's, we're in transition. For sure the hard hat guys, I think so. But, we, but the bosses themselves, they want to hang still get cozy and go to these parties and cocktails. They're not representing the workers anymore, but they're still calling out supporting these Democrats. Yeah, yeah, I get it. But I mean it's just a, you know, it's just look, it, it's been a it's been a steady march through the trade unions, right? Um, you know, Republicans have taken over the trade unions, or rather, the trade unions come around to Republicanism. Now the cops are doing it. Next, it'll be the firefighters. Never happened with the teachers, but it, it's you know, trade unionism is is in real serious trouble in this country, and mostly because of its leadership, not because of its membership. So, what what are you working on at your other gig at the Washington Times? I'm working on two things, right? My my. Twice week, twice a week column, and I'm working on. Uh, uh, we're doing something called rediscovering the Constitution, which is a re-upping of the Federalist essays, right? Which were originally 85, spread out over 10 months by John Jay and yeah. Alexander Hamilton. Yeah, I'm fully aware of this. I have a daughter mm -hmm. who is obsessed with the play. So, yeah, with the Broadway so, play. Well, you know, the Broadway play fails to mention one thing, and that is Alexander Hamilton is arguably the worst writer in the history of the world. <laughs> It's incomprehensible. But he writes like he's going running out of time, though, Mike. Yeah, well, that probably probably should go back and write like somebody who wants to edit their stuff and have people comprehend it. So, um, so what was anyway, the latest one? What was the most recent one? Something about had, Secretary Pompeo? Yeah, we had we had Secretary Pompeo write a write a great little piece about um, the why a constitution is important, right? Um, so you know. There were some. There were some who didn't care for it. They preferred to be more topical driven. So we'll start getting into electoral college and all that other stuff. We have about, I don't know, twenty odd members of Congress, some governors lined up to do this. It'll probably take us for the next four or five months. And then we'll see if we have any judges who, judges and lawyerly types who want to opine. It should. It's a good project. I encourage everybody to kind of tune in and take a read on it. And of course, everyone should read my column every. Monday and every Thursday because, you know, religiously, religiously. Well, you know, if you can fit it into your busy schedule between like walking your dogs and, you know, clipping the audio, clipping the video off on your Zoom meetings. Yeah. Hey, um, I just 
I forgot to mention this during our energy section uh, of the show. Did you hear about GM's new Hummer EV? Yeah, 113000 bucks. Right in the price range of the average American family. Boom! They actually took the Volt off production and replaced it with this very affordable, very reliable electric vehicle. And this is, of course, the future. Yeah, I want to know. I want to know. I'd love to see their market research on this. Who do they think, like, is going to say, yeah, I want to buy a Hummer, but I want it to be an electric vehicle. I've got one. I know of at least one. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. I mean, it's seriously, if you're the kind of person who wants to buy a Hummer, and let's be honest, if you're the kind of guy who wants to buy a Hummer, you're not thinking, gee, I hope it's an electric vehicle. You're thinking, I hope it burns more gas than a 747. Yeah. And, and so I, I saw that and I saw it 113,000 bucks. I'm like, all right, well, if you're dumb enough to buy a Hummer, you're probably dopey enough to overpay for it. But I'm not sure dopey enough to overpay by like 50,000 bucks. I sense Edsel's coming out all over the place. <laughs> not good. This is the future. Electric vehicles are the future. We don't need to, we don't even need to ban them. No, I'm, I'm electric ve- uh, uh, internal combustion engine vehicles. Combustion. Oh, wait, wait, no, wait, let me strike that. Oh, yeah. California wants to ban them. And now a couple of senators, I think, introduced a bill to ban, ban it as well. So, yeah, I mean, it, it look, electric vehicles are the future. If you can become comfortable with slave labor in China and child labor in Africa. And I, I get the feeling. Can you elaborate time, on that for our listeners? Sure. You know, some chunk of the batteries are made of lithium and they're made in China and they're made probably with slave labor in China. Cobalt. And cobalt comes out of primarily the Democratic Republic of the Congo, where we know children are involved in digging it out of the ground. So, you know, to the extent people buy electric vehicles, they need to be comfortable with those facts. And my very strong suspicion is most people are not going to be very comfortable with those facts for any length of time. It, yeah, yeah, and, and, it's, and it's just guys in the New York Times, they're not going to be able to hide that indefinitely, right? It's, a, it's eventually going to become a known thing, right? Yeah, um, so the, the legislation I referred to was sponsored by Jeff Merkley from Oregon, uh, who wants to mandate 100% of cars sold in 2035. I will give you 100 bucks if you can pick Jeff Merkley out of a lineup. <laughs> Uh, I do uh, want to uh, applaud or uh, direct my uh, our, our 81 listeners to the Wall Street Journal opinion page today because they had a really nice laying out, very succinct laying out of the case uh, against all of these mandates. Um, I think the quote that struck me was, quote, bribing Americans to buy electric cars hasn't worked, so now Democrats plan to use government coercion to force them. Wall Street whizzes will make a nice buck while other Americans pay up. And that sums it up rather nicely. Well, I mean, you know, the thing about it is the, the only thing that gives me any pause there is, you know, Wall Street makes money on all kinds of different things. Wall Street loses money on all kinds of different things. It doesn't really make any difference to me one way or the other, right? The only thing I worry about is what do taxpayers wind up getting stuck with? Well, what, 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 what does the government spend that it can come to your house and with guns and badges and take your money without your consent. 
because the Wall Street guys don't ever come to my house with guns and badges and take my money. I do not write a check for them on April 15th of every year. And, and I think in a lot of cases, that's the, you know, we, we need to be careful about falling into the, into the left's, you know, sort of, hey, it's the Wall Street guys who are making money on this stuff. Bad news, kids, they always make money. It's not, that's, that's not the problem. The problem is when government uses coercion, guns, badges, jail, to drive a public policy process, right? And that's Gavin Newsom. We're going to ban internal combustion engines. Right. We are going to make it against the law for you to sell a new internal combustion engine car in California. That is legit crazy. That's legit crazy. We legalize marijuana, tobacco, alcohol, but we're going to ban a car. Yeah, I, I think the Wall Street angle is the, the way that the system currently works is hyperinflating the value of these companies like Tesla and these emerging little companies, which, by the way, are, are, are being funded in, mar in part by the existing automakers, because they have to, they force the the folks who actually make cars people can afford and want to write checks to Tesla and Fisker and Nikola, um, and and that that becomes their profit. So it's it's almost like. They're guaranteed to get funding or to get investment from Wall Street because it's basically backed by the government. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But eventually Ponzi schemes fail. They yeah. do. It, it takes a while, but eventually they do. Um, you know, it, I'm not sure how this story turns out, but probably not well. So our friend Keith Olbermann of ESPN First, then MSNBC, then back to ESPN fame da, 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 da. has uh, gone back to political commentary and his opening salvo couldn't be any more classic Olbermann. Here we go. Let us brace ourselves. The task is twofold. The terrorist Trump must be defeated, must be destroyed, must be devoured at the ballot box. And then he and his enablers and his supporters and his collaborators and the Mike Lees and the William Barrs and the Sean Hannity's and the Mike Pence's and the Rudy Giuliani's and the Kyle Rittenhouse's and the Amy Coney Barrett's must be prosecuted and convicted and removed from our society while we try to rebuild it yeah, I feel kind of bad. I feel first off, I feel I feel I feel kind of bad that he didn't mention my name. I know I, mean, I was a little disappointed. I, yeah, I'm like, dude, deputy assistant the president. I worked in the West Wing. At least you can do is point out my name. Yeah. Anyway, um, then the other thing, I, I, you know, that that kind of talk. That, that okay, Oberman is an idiot, right? I mean, he always has been. He, he, you know, he, he's managed to fail at multiple things, um, and somehow he keeps getting a TV show. That kind of talk leads to people getting shot in the streets. And, you know, the thing about it is, is that if that unfortunate, if that unfortunate ever comes to happen, right, if that unfortunate event ever comes to happen, we shoot people in the streets for their political beliefs, guys like Keith Olbermann are not going to be doing the shooting, right? So he is, he is inciting violence, right? Um, and he's inciting it without any intention of, of engaging in any himself. And to my mind, that makes him dangerous, stupid, and a coward. Yeah. And, you know, I'm okay with being dangerous and stupid, being a coward. No, but it, it, it's stunning to me that people talk like that. I mean, just it, 
You have political disagreements with these people. By the way, a bunch of whom that you listed off, duly elected. I mean, they're elected. They represent people. You know, you don't like it, vote them out. But this, this, it's it's not healthy. It really isn't. And and I don't understand how. What what was MSNBC? Is that I don't know where he's back. We'll have to figure that out. How anybody keeps giving him a camera to sit and sit in front of just amazes me. The thing is, everyone has a camera or a or a microphone. Uh, you you and I are, are case in point of that. Um, I'm let so, the record I don't know show, that it goes let away. The record show, let the record show that I have never encouraged the incarceration of any political. Uh, that is not what I meant. What I meant was was that no matter what, if he wants a voice, he's going to find a voice. He's going to or wants a home. For that, he's going to find one. Right. So it's, it's, I mean, he is, and whatever. He's not worth the time we're spending on him, is the truth of the matter. Yeah, I know. I appreciate that. Oh, I guess he's got a, I guess it's YouTube. YouTube. One one of our, uh, one of our crack researchers uh, says it's, is it just a YouTube video? One of our, it's his own channel. So he's not even on a network or anything. One of our, one of our crack headed, one of our crack headed researchers. (laughs) It, 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 Come on, I want to create. I want to create the appearance of a well-produced show. It's a it's a crack-headed show. I don't know that I want to talk Yankees, but I'm I'm happy to to indulge you if you'd like to. Uh, I will say it's one-one as of today in the World Series. Go Rays! Yeah, I actually I actually uh, went to sleep around fifth inning of that last night, so I wasn't sure who, what happened. I mean, but they were up five nothing at the end of five. I'm like, the Rays are not going to lose a five no- a game in which they're up five nothing. Um, Yankees could, but the Rays. Right, I was going to say they're not. They're not the Yankees, right? Um, I'm rooting for the Rays. Oh, absolutely, no doubt. I'm rooting for the Rays. Um, They beat. It took them a little while, but they finally put Houston where they belong, sitting at home watching. Yeah, so I'm. I'm glad. And it's not that I don't like the Dodgers. It's just as a Yankee fan, I'm of course contractually obligated to root against the Dodgers. Absolutely. Yeah. My 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 favorite team is the Yankees. My next favorite team is anybody who is playing against Boston, the Dodgers, or now Houston. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I feel I feel kind of sad for Boston um, just because the last couple of years have been terrible for them. Um, but Houston, yeah, um, they're 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 the Oakland Raiders, not the Los Angeles Las Vegas Raiders. They are the Oakland Raiders of Major League Baseball at this point. And and I don't mean that in a good way. What do they got to do in the offseason besides fire Cashman, which I know you, you, you've you uh, been w- wishing for for several seasons now? Firing Cashman would be an excellent start. If Severino gets healthy and Herman comes back, they'll have the beginnings of a really good pitching staff, right? They'll be able to run 162 games in good order. Um, with they got to resign Tanaka. I don't really think they have to resign Tanaka. No. They, 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 um, I do. Yeah, they, they, they're going to need fourth, right? Cole, Herman. Severino. They're Trevor Bauer it. is making noise that he wants to be looked at. Yeah, Trevor Bauer's a head, Trevor Bauer's a head case, and I'm not exactly sure how he'd fit in in New York. I, I agree with that. I think he's yeah, I mean, fine I mean, enough pitcher, but I think the other stuff might be a little challenging. He's a head case. He was strutting off the mound against against um, against the Braves, and then they wiped him out. Right? I mean, you know, I'm like, dude. Where I'm from, you do your strutting after you win, not not when you not if contest is in the middle. So, I, I don't know. They they need to do that. They need to. Um, DJ gets needs to be resigned. Of course, they need to get rid of some of their their. Um, if they can, 
they either need to get rid of or figure out some way to shuffle the deck such they don't have to rely on their overpriced um, talent that gets either hurt or strikes out 400 times. Right. Uh, and and the, the Sanchez situation is, is still very much. I'm assuming he's not going to be the catcher next year. I can't imagine a world in which he's the catcher. Well, I think they're foreshadowing that a little bit finally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that that's the other thing, right? Get a catcher trade trade for a catcher, sign a catcher, get a catcher. Yeah. I don't know. Did Riel Muto sign a one-year deal? I think he'd I be a good catcher for the Yankees. I don't know that. I don't, um, but you know, it's, it's a team with some problems, right? It's got underperformers at in the outfield. It's got underperformer catcher. It's got a problem child now at shortstop. I mean, it it's, it's a team with some problems and, and uh, Yankee fans hate hearing that. Um, but it's the truth. It's yeah, the truth. absolutely. Well, I say go raise the Yankees better sign DJ. That's their first priority in the off season. I tend to agree and get Severino back and healthy. All right. We're going to close out with another doozy. Our clip of the day. Here we go. We can do this. You can ban chokeholds. You can, but, you, but beyond that, you have to teach people how to de-escalate circumstances, de-escalate. So instead of anybody coming at you and the first thing you do is shoot to kill, you shoot them in the leg. <laughs> Uh, who, who who knew that Joe Biden was a good enough marksman that he could shoot somebody in the leg who was charging at him? Um, you know, he, he needs to step away from the TV. Shoot him in the leg. It should be fun tonight. We're uh, we're looking forward to deconstructing the the final debate of potentially Donald Trump's presidential c- career. Over under on how many times Hunter Biden is mentioned? Oh, I as about as many times as I hear the word look. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm. Come on, I'm man. Be- I'm betting it's north of, of two dozen. Come on, man. Come on, man. Here's the deal. No, Here's the no deal. Joke. All right, it's, ladies and gentlemen, no that is a wrap. Until next time, this is Tom and Mike signing off. That is not a joke. <laughs>